am Julie Moran, and I am so thrilled to bring you my podcast, Limitless, Boldly Tackle Your Next Chapter. Today on my Limitless podcast, I'm speaking with Dana White, a writer who found her voice in a blog turned website and a podcast called A Slob Comes Clean. She explains why it's hard for some people to tackle clutter in their lives and how to deal with it before it becomes overwhelming. Not sure where or how to start? Well, Dana is here to help. Hi, Dana. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Well, your website and podcast are called A Slob Comes Clean. That is just so darn clever on so many levels. (laughs) How did you come up with that? Well, honestly, it was in a moment of desperation. So I... I wanted to write, you know, and this was back in 2009 when it was like, oh, if I want to be a writer, maybe a blog would be a great place to start. And, um, but I didn't start because my house was a disaster. And so the idea came to me that, oh, I could start this secret blog just for, a, you know, temporarily while I get my house under control. Right. Um, in a way, you know, with the goal of, getting my house under control. So then I could justify, you know, diving into being a writer. I'm still writing about the same thing. It's not a secret anymore. (laughs) Um, But that's the name that just came to me of basically what I was trying to do is like, okay, I've got to be honest about this, but also I have got to get my house under control. Well, you always mention that your brain doesn't function like normal people. Now, normal (laughs) people see a mess and clean it, but you, you can't explain that. Well, so it's one of those, you know, in the beginning, it was just a total mystery to me. I was like, what, why is this hard for me? It does not seem to be hard for other people. And it's hard for me. And, um, what I've realized over time is that I don't see incremental mess. Like I see perfectly clean and I think, Oh, that looks lovely. And then I see completely overwhelming and Oh my word, how can I even deal with this? But I don't see what's happening in between to get it to that point. Um, and so a lot of what I've had to do is put things in place that help me deal with stuff before it gets to the overwhelming state. Wow. Yeah. So with messy homes, you're saying those people aren't lazy. It's not like they don't, they don't care. They just see things differently, right? Right. And that is the biggest misunderstanding that people who don't struggle with this have that then is mind boggling for the person who's like, I do care. I'm not sure why this is so incredibly hard for me. Well, you know, I think it's so important to keep in mind. I've been married for 30 years and my husband Rob and I see mess differently, but we've Mm -hmm. found a way to see it together and in a, in a, you know, similar way. And I think that's instrumental in first just getting along, but it also helps in tackling the mess. Right. And I think too, you know, what you'd said earlier, just a minute ago about, um, you know, it's not that they're not doing anything. And I think that was what was the most frustrating thing to me was that I would work on my house and yet it just didn't seem like it was getting better. I mean, you know, one spot might get better and I'd turn around and every other spot in the house was even worse than it was before, you know? So it was that I, I wasn't doing things in the right order. I didn't know what made the biggest impact. Um, and so even though I was putting in effort, it, it wasn't showing. 
I got you on that. For me, you know, I got overwhelmed when I thought about organizing my garage. And I just Mm -hmm. froze because there were things in there that have been in there eight years since we moved from L.A. to Atlanta. Then I read your books. And when you say to declutter instead of organize, it was like a light bulb went off. It's just so true. It it is. And I think, you know, I call that decluttering paralysis. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that feeling of I I can't. I I just look at the mess and I want to close the door and pretend it doesn't exist. And everybody has, I I wouldn't say everybody, but almost everyone has a space like that, even if they're not otherwise completely overwhelmed in their home. But, you know, there is a space that just feels like I can't even do this. Um, and what you just said that that's key is understanding that there is a difference between decluttering and organizing and giving yourself permission to just declutter lets you get started. There's nothing to do first. There's nothing to plan out. It is literally just getting the stuff out that doesn't need to be there. And and the, the great thing about that is that decluttering achieves a lot of the purposes that you thought you had through organizing, you know, Mm. a lot of what, what your goal was, at least for me, my goal was, I want my house to not be overwhelming. I want my house to, um, you know, not look like a tornado just went through it or whatever. (laughs) And just getting stuff out achieved those purposes. My house looked better. It functioned better, all that. Well, you say not to consider cleaning a project. Why is that? What's the harm in calling it a project? Well, you know, I am a project person, you know, I, writing a book is a project, you know I mean? Like yeah. that's a, it's a, it's a big thing to tackle. And I enjoy that kind of thing. I enjoy, you know, looking at a, a problem, breaking it down, you know, making a plan, tackling that plan. And then I enjoy being done, you know, so I was a theater arts teacher before, um, I started this job and you know, I love putting on a big production, but I also love it because there's an end point. Like at some point I'm done and everybody says you did a great job and I get to go, "Ah," you know, and that's just not the reality for your house. I mean, that's just not how things work. And so when I would try to treat my house like that, because I was generally successful at projects. And so I would look at my house, think it's overwhelming. Okay. Let me break down how to do this and tackle it. Um, I would spend, a day or a weekend or a week or whatever, um, cleaning top to bottom. And then I would think, okay, yeah, I deserve a break now. Well, first of all, I was exhausted. So I had to take a break, you know, but that break meant that my house just went back to being (laughs) a total disaster. (laughs) You know, we're in reality when I kind of gave up on that, cause I thought, well, that's never worked. I'm what is wrong with me? I don't know. I'm just going to do the dishes. That's the least that I can do. Starting on just doing small things consistently ultimately made a, a much bigger impact on my home than any of my big all weekend cleaning or all week cleaning sessions had ever made. You know, I think that's so key. It's like start small. I have five boxes on my front doorstep right now going to Hope House, which is a great place for you. But what I started doing is I said, okay, every day I'm going to put four things from my garage in a box. And I just didn't rush. I just started small. 
and then I had a box and then I had two boxes and now I have five boxes and they're getting picked up today and they're going somewhere great. So, but I had to do it. Like if I could just pick up four things a day, it took me a month and a half, but then I, I, I did it. I was so excited. <laughs> well, and it, it makes such a lasting impact because if you're getting those things into donate boxes and out of your house, you never have to think about them again. And so even though it maybe feels a little less dramatic than the big, wow, look what I did in one weekend, those things are gone. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're gone forever. And that is real measurable, real progress in your home. That's going to last. Oh, I'm so happy. Well, in your book, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, you <laughs> suggest people find four non-negotiable tasks. Tell me about that. What are yours? So my non-negotiable tasks are the ones that, you know, when I started the blog, like I said, it was, it was anonymous. I didn't even tell anybody at the time that I was doing this. I thought, okay, this is temporary, whatever. But so what I did was I started with, I'm going to do something and make it a non-negotiable task. So over time I would add different things. And then there are four that I boiled it down to. If, if you will do these four things, your house will get and then stay under control. And the four are do the dishes every day, like whether you think it's enough to be worth your time or not, do the dishes every single day. Um, sweep the kitchen mm-hmm. every day, which is not necessarily about crumbs. It's more about like giving yourself, you know, the chance to actually pay attention to the fact that there are newspapers on the floor next to the kitchen table or right. whatever. And then it, and then it's the, um, check the bathrooms for clutter, not even like clean the bathroom every day, but literally just check them, make a conscious effort to say, is there clutter in here? I'm going to clear the counter. I'm going to pick up the stuff off the floor, all of that, which then means that when it is time to clean the bathroom, I don't have to first declutter it. You know, I'm there. And then the other, the last one, which is really one that I recommend anybody just start at any time is a five minute pickup. Just the, the impact of five minutes, which was the least I could justify the least amount of time I could justify. But at the same time, who, who would think that five minutes would make a big difference. And yet a five minute pickup every single day or even almost every day, it's amazing the impact that that has on your home. Just having five focused minutes of putting things, you know, where they're supposed to be instead of out and random and cluttered. That's so important. And you also talk about daily tasks versus weekly tasks. How are they different? So the daily tasks are the things that, that really if you want your house to be under control, this is what I've learned from experience. If I want my house to be under control, I have to do these things every day. You know, if, if I, if I don't do the dishes every day and I, you know, decide, okay, it's time to catch up. Well, then I'm spending my whole, you know, cleaning time. I've dedicated today to cleaning. Well, I'm spending the whole day in the kitchen catching Mm -hmm. up on dishes because dishes math is a thing. You know, one day's worth of dishes takes like 15, 20 minutes. I didn't know that because I'd always waited until I was out of dishes to do dishes. (laughs) But, you know, it's 15 or 20 minutes where if I have, if every dish in my house is dirty and it's Saturday morning and I say, I'm going to clean my house and I start by doing dishes. Well, you know, that's like all these different loads and shifting and moving and it can't all fit in the dishwasher. It can't all fit in the sink to wash them. You know, so it's, it's 
that's catching up. Those things have to be done every day or they turn into this big thing. And then your weekly stuff is your, you know, cleaning the bathroom and vacuuming and dusting and all that kind of stuff. Of course it can vary according to pet hair and things like that, but, right. but you know, it, those are the things that need to be done once a week. And for those, I loosely assign them to a day of the week, not because I wake up every day and say, okay, what cleaning task am I supposed to do? It's instead it's, oh, it's Tuesday. Oh my goodness. It's Tuesday. Oh, I'm supposed to be cleaning bathrooms. Oh my goodness. I didn't clean them last Tuesday. So now I know it's been two weeks and it helps fight my T-pad, which is my time passage awareness disorder that I made up, but it's totally real. I love and that. I assign those things to a day to help trigger my awareness that it's time to do these again, because otherwise, you know, I clean a toilet and I'm so proud of myself that for the next month, I think I just clean the toilet, you know, <laughs> not right. it. but if you Time give it a weekly, pass. if you give it a weekly day, you, you know, whoops, oh, it's Tuesday. Whoops. I didn't do it this Tuesday. It's been two weeks. As you said, then it reminds you, you know, there's one thing I just don't know why, but I just hate doing laundry. It just yeah. never ends. I mean, I have sports laundry. I have uniform laundry. I have towel laundry, sheets laundry. How can, what help do you have for me there? So every other home, you know, management person on the internet <laughs> that I've ever heard of will tell you to do a load a day. Mm. I am not going to tell you to do a load a day just because I tried that so hard because that's what the experts said to do. And so I was forever, um, you know, putting a load in and then forgetting to put it in the dryer. And then the next day I would find it and it would smell kind of funny and I'd have to rewash it. And so I'd rewash <laughs> the same load over and over. So what you said about laundry never ending, um, I have solved that problem by having a laundry day, which people resist and then they finally do it and they realize I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> the I love beauty it. of a laundry day is that if you will do laundry on one day, it helps my focus because I am, you know, I have not been officially diagnosed with ADHD, but my readers and my listeners and my watchers, they all diagnose me all the time. But, <laughs> but I, you know, even though I would forget that one load of laundry when it's my day's focus, you know, in the midst of doing other things, obviously, um, I, I can do, you know, four, five, six loads of laundry in a day because that's what I'm doing today. And then that helps me remember to do that. And then the beauty of it is that I don't have to feel guilty or have this pestering, oh my goodness, do we have enough clothes, you know, feeling in my brain for six days. Like I get six laundry free days because I know for sure that our laundry is done. Now it's not the first laundry day is no indication if you're behind on laundry, it's no indication of how, you know, how much laundry your family actually uses in a week. Right. Um, you know, it's not till the third laundry day when you get to experience, oh, this is only one week's worth of laundry. And I now know that it's possible to go six days um, without worrying about laundry. That third laundry day is where the magic happens because you realize, oh, wow, this does make my life easier. So. Oh, I love, I am definitely trying this. I'm going to try a laundry day. I really am. Thank you so much. Just know that the first one is not fun. Okay. And the first one could take a week if you're okay. catching up. I mean, okay. yeah, but it, but the goal is to get to that. Okay. Do it, do all the laundry in your house, no matter how long it takes. And then 
start your second laundry day a week from when you started your first laundry day. But the beauty is that once you've sorted out all those clothes for the first laundry day, even though it's a lot, anything new that gets dirtied, you don't have to feel stressed about it. It's not like, oh, people keep wearing clothes. No, that's next laundry day's right. laundry. Perfect. I so love then it. that second one, you actually find out this is how many clothes my family wears in a week. And then after that second one, even though you feel like, why would I do this when I just finished my first one yesterday? Um, you know, at, at that point, um, you get to ex- actually experience, oh, wow, I don't have to worry about laundry for a week. Oh, I love that. And you, and removing procrastination seems to be central in your process, right? It does. I'm a master procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do. I have to look at what, you know, I call it procrastinate clutter. You know, so many times it's like, wait a minute, I've done the dishes, I've done laundry, I've, you know, cleaned my house, but my house still looks messy. Well, it might be because there's, you know, some sort of a project spread out on the dining room table that in your mind, you're like, whoa, well, that has to be there. Or, you know, there's a couch or whatever covered in clean laundry. Well, that's procrastinate clutter. Or there's, you know, all these dishes air drying on the counter and stuff like that. So those kinds of things, um, I have to put things into place, you know, like folding straight out of the dryer, which I resisted for years and laundry day still works if you don't do that. But it's like, once I finally said, Oh, that's really just procrastination. And if I will go ahead and do it, then I don't have to think about it anymore and it's done and it's over. And there's so much value in my mind of not having to ever think about something again, because I went ahead and did it. And, and the thing is, they're not wrinkled when you fold them right out of the, the dryer. It's amazing. <laughs> now, when they've been on the couch for a week, yeah, they're very wrinkled. It's a whole different story. You know, yep. you touched on TPAD a little bit, or time passage awareness disorder. Tell me about that. So, you know, I, I have actually had people say, there is something official that is like this. And I can't remember what it is, but I, I always say that I just made it up. And it's basically, if I don't want to do something, my very, what, what feels like a super realistic and logical estimate of the time is that it's going to take so much time. So I don't have the time to do that. Where if I do want to do something, I will often think, oh, that's going to go so fast. And then it ends up taking a huge amount. So my ability to have a realistic understanding of how much time something's going to take or how long it has been since I last did something, um, I just go on with my life. It's just not a constant thought of when was the last time I cleaned my toilet or whatever. Um, You know, and one of the things that I really recommend is timing different tasks. Um, Mm. So, you know, one of the best examples would be emptying the dishwasher. You know, if you'll empty the dishwasher in the morning, then throughout the day, you can put stuff in it so that you're not piling it into the sink, you know, and it just really keeps the flow of things going. But I hated emptying the dishwasher and I just assumed it took forever. And then my mom had told me years ago, you know, time yourself emptying the dishwasher. And she was right. I mean, it's four minutes. Wow. Yep. To empty the dishwasher. And I would have... I I would have argued, not really knowing, but I would have argued that it was at least 15 minutes Mm -hmm. because it was something I didn't like doing. So it felt like it took forever. But just knowing how long it actually took 
eliminated so many excuses and so much procrastination in the future. You know, and I used to rush out of the house saying, oh, I don't have time to make the bed. And then I listened to you and I actually timed myself making the bed. I can do it in a minute and a half. That's and I amazing. used to, I used to think, oh gosh, I don't have time to make the bed. Well, well, I have a minute and a half. You know what I mean? And I found that yes. out. I used to think it took like ten minutes or something. You know, it doesn't. So it's wonderful and it, and that, to time things. Right, and it's such a great reality check that serves you well in the future. You know, and then on the other side of that, I look for awkward pauses in my day. You know, like those moments where you think, well, okay, I just got home from this, but I have to leave in seven minutes. There's no time to actually do anything. Well, when I have a better understanding of, oh, okay, certain tasks only take so much time, or, you know, my decluttering method is all about not making a bigger mess. And so I can do it in any amount of time. Well, then I look at that seven minutes differently. And I think, well, I could do something and it'd be worth my time. Sure. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with this method, the KonMari method from Marie Kondo. Uh, but you uh, actually, uh, that that's where you hold something. And if it sparks joy, you keep it. If, if it, you know, you t- otherwise you throw it out. You're different. Tell me how you're different than her method. I have not read the book. Um, I actually had not. I started hearing about it as I was starting to work on my first book. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to read it because I don't want to, you know, accidentally steal something or whatever, you know, copy an idea. Um, I do think that whatever gets your stuff out of your house is exactly what you should be doing. Like, so if that works for you, that is great. I know for me, I had to come up with a non-emotional decluttering process. Mm. Um, And so two, the two core things with the way that I declutter are, I don't use emotions, which from my understanding is the opposite, you know, of, of, asking whether something sparks joy. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more to, you know, both things, but, um, and the other thing is that I don't pull everything out of a space and the things I know, you know, from what I've seen and what people have told me is that there's a lot of pulling things, you know, out of a space. And the reason I don't do that is because I'm so distractible that, um, you know, and I, it just doesn't work for me. You know, like I, I mean that I'm, I'm sure it's done in a different way, but I know, you know, most traditional organizing advice will have you pull everything out of a space and then put back, you know, what needs to go in there. Well, I had tried that because I thought that's how you were supposed to declutter, um, for years and it never worked because I would pull everything out of a space and then life would happen or I wasn't able to finish. Or honestly, I just, got overwhelmed and said, I can't do anymore. And then all that stuff that used to be packed inside of a closet or a drawer was now outside of that space (laughs) yeah, and a bigger mess than it was before. And, you know, people will say, oh, it has to get worse before it gets better, but it doesn't like, so the, the decluttering process that I have come up with that works for me and for other people too, is one item at a time going through steps where I am you know, eliminating, eliminating, eliminating at first, and then, you know, accepting the realities of the space with what actually is supposed to be in there. And then, you know, getting rid of anything that doesn't actually fit within that space. Um, and, you know, and all of those things are, are non-emotional, like they're all very, um, instinct based questions. You know, the questions that I use are all 
um, you know, based on reality, just making me face the facts, basically. Very practical. And in your second book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, Life, Not Light, you go right. into detail about your container theory. Tell me about that. So, you know, this is one of those examples of times when I feel like um, it's my job just to state the obvious. <laughs> Like explain things that are just kind of there, but I didn't understand before. Like I, you know, this is one of the things that I've been told by professional organizers is like, oh, okay, this is the breakdown in communication between people who are naturally organized and people who are not that, that people didn't necessarily understand was a breakdown in communication until I, you know, was talking about the container concept because I thought I knew what containers were for. I knew that organized people loved them. And so I would buy them, bring them into my house, try to use them. And it never, you know, looked the way that an organized person's house did. And it's because I thought containers were for putting things in. And so I would fill up a container. I still had more stuff. So I would think, okay, well, I need more containers. Well, then I would (laughs) fill up all these containers and not have enough room on the shelf and not have, you know, so I had a moment early on in my decluttering process where I was talking to myself and I was thinking about containers and I realized, wait a minute, contain is the root word of container. Like it's meant to serve as a limit. It is not there for me to put things in. It's there with the purpose of limiting how much stuff I have. And, you know, the, the short version of that is that I realized I can blame the container. So the, the reality The reason why my house was a disaster was I had more stuff than could ever fit in my house comfortably. Wow. And I needed to get rid of stuff. Well, if I'm asking myself if something has value, if something, you know, if I could ever use something someday, well, I can come up with reasons. That's my personality. I'm a creative soul. I can find a reason why something has value, but, but it, it doesn't fit. You know, and so I let the container be the bad guy. And I said, okay, I'm going to put my favorite things in there first. And anything that doesn't fit, it's not that I don't value it. It's just that there's no room for it. And then that expanded into me realizing, oh, okay, well, every drawer in my house is a container. Every closet is a container. And I can only keep what will fit comfortably in there, which then allows me to put my favorite in first. And that just naturally sorts out what needs to go because it just doesn't fit. It seems so obvious, but you know, you talk about valuing space over stuff and how did you come to that realization? Well, honestly, only by decluttering. Mm. I mean, it, there's so much that I, I do explain it for the person who, who doesn't you know, who's like me and just doesn't naturally get this stuff. Um, But really the only way to start valuing space over stuff is to experience it. And the only way to experience having space instead of stuff is to get the stuff out of the house. And, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't know what I was missing. You know, I didn't know that, the, the value there would be in just being able to move around, do the things, sit here, you know, move there without 
running into stuff, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, because, because I just, that's my personality is I just adjust to things. Okay. You know, like I can step over something without ever, you know, I can step over it 15 times and it never registers that I just stepped over something 15 times, you know, but once it's gone, it's like, Oh, wow. Wow. It's really nice to just be able to walk through here and not have to step over something, even though I didn't realize I was stepping over it before. Interesting. You know, I have this question and I'm sure this is what people fear. Oh my gosh, if I throw something away, am I going to regret it? What do you say to those people? I say you probably will regret something and I'm sorry, but that's also just the reality of it. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend and something, I think she had bought this chair and I loved it. And I was like, she had done something with it. And I thought, Oh, I had a chair that I could have done that with, but I got rid of it. Uh, you know, that's why it's so hard to get rid of things. And she said, Oh, I regret getting rid of things all the time. I mean, like it was just the most, but her house didn't have clutter. Like she preferred to live without clutter and risk regret. And it was just such a moment for me where I realized, oh, regret's going to happen. Like it's, it's part of it. But I will say that as someone who held on to so much stuff, worrying that I would regret it, I would say for every hundred things I get rid of, I might, might not guaranteed, but I might regret getting rid of one of them. Mm. But like you asked about, you know, valuing space over stuff. Add the more I put value into open space, into having less stuff to manage in my home, um, over how much easier it was to maintain my home with less stuff in it, the more I valued that, it changed my feelings about, you know, these things that I regretted decluttering. And I realized okay, I may have to replace that item. Yes, I maybe got rid of something and now I'm having to pay five, 10, 15, $20 to replace it. But that was worth $20 to have my house be so much less overwhelming, you know, for the last six months when I got rid of it. And the reality too, is as I got rid of things, I found so many things that I didn't even remember I had that I realized there were a lot of things I had been buying over the years that I did have in my home that that's even more regret for me. You know, I I, I, I totally hear you. That's where it's really frustrating that you've spent money on something and then realize, Oh, I actually already had that and spent the money on it. Yeah. I hear you. Now, what do you do if your spouse or roommate isn't on board with this whole decluttering journey? Um, What do you do? Well, I'll tell you, um, this is probably the most common question and, um, people don't like the answer, but the answer is go ahead and get rid of your own stuff and neutral stuff first. Mm. Um, it feels like it should be a group effort and it should eventually, but getting started is not a group effort. And if you're putting your energy into trying to convince someone to change when perhaps I'm just saying they don't necessarily believe you because of your own past record on things, um, 
you know, that's a lot of energy that you could instead be putting into getting rid of your own stuff. And, you know, for me, my story is that when I started this, you know, what was a secret blog at the time, I didn't even tell my husband what I was doing because I tried so many things in the past and I'd always failed. And so, um, because I didn't tell him what I was doing, I didn't have the option to get everybody on board before I got started. And so I was just worrying about myself, what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, you know, getting rid of my own stuff. And in doing that, first of all, my house changed significantly just because of what I was doing, which also made me see that the problem had been what I wasn't doing, you know? And, um, but then over time, my family changed too. Like they started to see, Oh, that's the routine. You know, there had been no routine before that was what I had established in my home, that there was no routine for dishes. Um, but once there were routines, then my family was able to get in on those. And as I started to let go of stuff that they would have never thought I would be willing to get rid of, then they started to see, Oh, okay. It's, it's okay to get rid of stuff, you know? And they also started to experience what it was like to live in a house with less and that changed their own relationship with stuff as well. That's, that's so cool. That's a great answer. You know, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask one last question. It's a question I ask all my guests and that's how do I get started? Someone who's just listened to this podcast and they look around their messy cluttered house and panic sets in, what do they do? Go to the most visible space in your home, meaning the front door or wherever guests would enter. I know we're in a pandemic right now, so that makes everything weird. But go to the place where people would enter and grab a black trash bag. It needs to be black so that the people in your house don't see what you're putting inside of it and start throwing (laughs) away trash. Great idea. Yeah, just that that will get you moving. Even if there's no trash, it gets you to look at the individual items and you start to see it as individual items instead of an overall overwhelming mass of clutter. And if you're doing it in the most visible space, then you're going to see your progress and inspire yourself to keep going. Great advice. You know, I can't recommend you enough for my listeners who are struggling with a messy house. I want listeners, I want you to go online to aslobcomesclean.com for your blog and check out your podcast with the same name. And of course, your two books, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind and Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Thank you again. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining me on Limitless Boldly Tackle Your Next Chapter. Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know when new episodes drop. You can also keep up with me on Instagram at It's Me Julie Moran. Stay bold, everybody.